another episode of Shredding for Gold. I'm happy to have you all here with me today. Um, For those who don't know me, I'm your host, Emily Trepanier, and I am a blind snowboarder. And this episode, uh, well, this podcast is called Shredding for Gold. Um, Before we get started with episode 6, I would like to remind you that you can listen to this podcast um, on Apple Podcasts. Um, You can also ask Google to play the Shredding for Gold podcast or any one of your lovely assistants. So Google, Alexa, whatever you have out there for your assistant, you can ask her to play play the Shredding for Gold podcast and she will, um, they will play it for you. Um, also if you want to check out our website, um, for the podcast, it's, you can find it at wyexcuse.com slash shredding dash for dash gold. And so that's where the podcast's home is, um, at, and that's where, um, that's where you can find the podcast uh and that's also another place for you to listen to the podcast so and be sure if you are listening to the podcast um we would love to know how we are doing so please 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 um leave a review and a rating um it helps us know what we're doing good and it helps us know what we need to change and also if you have any suggestions feel free to let us know Um, We always have our contact information um, up so you can um, contact us and chat with us. But um, just as a reminder, my email is trepanieemily at yahoo.ca. So that's T-R-E-P-A-N-I-E-R-E-M-I-L-Y at (laughs) yahoo.ca. So it appears darling is darling my service dog is all very excited for episode six of the threading for gold podcast so uh let's get started um so i was to have to have my next guest on the podcast but um we had to uh switch things around a little bit a bit so um gonna be another um bit of a different podcast but it's also gonna be a really fun one um so for those of you who don't know or are just tuning into the podcast for the first time, um, be sure to take a listen to previous episodes of this podcast um, after you finish listening to this current episode that you're listening to now. Um, just to guess, we started um, giving you a little bit of background on who I am. And so... Today, um, I am a blind snowboarding athlete, as you know, if you've listened to previous episodes or you know me personally. And so, as a blind snowboarder, um, even though, um, even though I am blind, I can definitely snowboard, obviously, since I am snowboarding. Um, but there are some, there are some adaptions, if you will, that we have made over the past years, um, just to help me be more successful as 
and also more safe on the hill um, as a blind snowboarding athlete. Um, so I thought it would be fun to give you guys some information on uh, some of the adaptive equipment that I have either used or are currently using for me to help keep me safe um, on the hill as a blind snowboarder. Um, so that's what the episode today is going to really focus on is um, just the, the adaptive equipment um, that I use personally. Um, now it should be noted that every athlete um, with varying uh, with varying abilities um, has their own uh, adaptive equipment that they like to use or they prefer to use. Uh, and it also just depends on like the needs of that athlete as well. So what I might use may not necessarily be what another athlete uses. Um, that's no boards. Um, but it's just, it's, it's pretty, um, it's pretty cool to like learn, um, what, uh, what's all out there and how much, um, how much, uh, uh, technology has come and even like adaptive gear, um, how much it has come in the last few years. Um, so I just wanted to make a note of that, but so for the purposes of this episode, I'm going to just, just describe what I'm going to use, uh, what I'm, what I'm using for my adaptive equipment here for when I'm snowboarding. Um, I am planning on doing an episode on some of the other adaptive equipment, um, that's out there that I know, um, (laughs) Um, some of the other um, adaptive equipment that um, people are using out there as well that I've either heard or um, from like talking to them or just from like researching as well so I do plan on doing an episode uh, to talk about that but for this episode and for the purpose uh, this one um, it's gonna go into more specific details on the adaptive equipment that I'm using so um, I think it's good to like, so I've been snowboarding for 10 years now and racing for six years. Um, so I think it's good to start off um, what I was first using for adaptive equipment when I first started. Um, so when I first started, um, so um, when I first started snowboarding, um, the plan was to use what they call tethers. And that's essentially my instructor. Um, it gives my instructor, or it gave my instructor, um, the ability to help me um, learn to snowboard initially. Um, so it gives them, it helps, like, let them be closer to me, and it also helps them to like to make sure that I'm staying safe while I'm learning to snowboard. Um, so the tethers they go on so there's a few different types of tethers but the tethers that I remember using were ones that went on my binding and then um, the instructors would I think they were either I want to say they were behind me 
or beside me. I think they actually moved around, um, depending where I was on the hill. And so they were connected to my five boots slash bindings. And also the instructor um, held on to them as well. So they were super close. They could um, stop me if they saw that I was getting into any trouble. And um, just the, it was just a, meant to be a really good learning tool to help me learn to snowboard. Um, so originally it was supposed to be the, uh, used for a few sessions um, since I was first starting out as a snowboarder. And so we started using it on my first session. And after an hour, we abandoned the tethers um, just because it was causing a lot more, like, it just wasn't working for me. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. It really just depends on the person. Um, I was finding it was being more, I was just getting super, like, frustrated because I kept, like, running over the tethers and, like, it just... It, it, it just wasn't working. Um, so, uh, originally we planned on using the tethers for the first few sessions when I first started snowboarding, but after about an hour, they were gone. So, um, so that leaves, so now you're probably wondering, oh my goodness, so she's just started snowboarding and now, now they're not using tethers. So how, how do the instructors keep me safe? Well, <laughs> it was actually pretty fun. Um, so, obviously, when I first started snowboarding, I wasn't on any of the big hills. Um, I was on what they call the bunny hills, so the mini hills, um, when I first started snowboarding. So, very controlled, um, and I had an instructor. Um, he was actually not, for the first little while, he wouldn't even wear his board because he wanted to be right there with me and he um stayed always stayed super close within arm's reach um and then for the first little while we did something called dancing and it's not like it's not like um dancing like you would do at like say a dance party um it's kind of well it's kind of like snow dancing so basically what would happen is the instructor um sometimes would wear his snowboard or sometimes they wouldn't wear their snowboard and they would be literally right beside me and like facing facing towards me and holding both of my hands usually and sometimes it was only one hand but most of the time it was um, two hands that they were holding and they would basically, we would basically dance, I guess you would call it, down the hill. Um, so they would still be doing all the turns and everything, but my instructor was right there and was like practically like doing almost the same thing that I was doing, except I think it was opposite. I think it's opposite that they do it. So, cause obviously they're like facing me, so they have to like, mirror what I'm doing but it's uh, obviously it's opposite um, so they would use that a lot especially when I first started snowboarding and so it was kind of really neat it kind of reminds me if you are familiar with like how like 
synchro swimmers are looking in the pool, they kind of like start doing like the exact same thing as each other. So it's kind of neat. Um, it's kind of neat. Um, it's kind of like a neat uh, strategy to use for learning to snowboard. And so as I said, we use it a lot, especially in the beginning when I first started learning to snowboard. And then every so often it's still used um, to like teach me like different like techniques that they're trying to teach me, um, if I, um, different techniques. Um, it just makes it a little bit easier to like, um, to like to learn the techniques if the instructor's right there and able to like walk me through it and like help me get through it. So. Um, and then also, um, so the instructor can hold hands and we also actually use uh, something very similar to a hula hoop. So, uh, as I started getting a little bit more comfortable and starting to learn, we started using a hula hoop. So, still the instructor was super close by, but it gave me a little bit more distance and a little bit more room to, um, move around a little bit more. Um, without like having to having the instructor like super close they were still super close obviously and they could still like um, help me out and uh, stop me if I uh, got in trouble or anything but it just the hula hoop was like the next step up if you will Um, and that's really fun that one actually um, works worked out really well and We've used it still. Um, actually, I think I used it um, um, when I was learning my um, first. Um, I was learning uh, um, how to edge. Actually, I think we used it again. The hula hoop um, dancing, and then we did some dancing with that. Um, more about that later. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so the hula hoop was essentially the next step up to. Uh, not holding hands but just like being still close enough but still giving me some distance and a little bit more independence so um yeah so we have the tether we have dancing and then hula hoop dancing uh, technique so that's fun um another piece of adaptive equipment that I started using um, pretty early I would say probably even when I was I, I even used it when I was skiing, actually. Um, uh, bright neon orange vests. So mine says Blind Rider on it. And then my guides would wear <coughs> um, similar bright neon orange vests. But theirs obviously would say Guide on it. And so there's, there's some people out there who don't like um, wearing them but for me personally and honestly it's a personal choice and I I respect those people who don't want to wear them personal choice totally but for me personally I feel so much safer having my orange vest on and um, because it identifies the people that uh, I'm blind, so um, hopefully they will give us all a little bit more room 
and hopefully um, they will try to be a little bit more cautious when they are going past me. Um, now they're not a hundred percent effective because I have had a few instances where people have cut me off or cut off my instructors um, because they were either going way too fast or they were out of control or they just for whatever reason they didn't notice me um, but I honestly am very thankful that I discovered the bright neon orange vest because it just makes me feel a bit more comfortable and safer on the hill because then um, without the orange vest um, people would just assume that I'm just a normal snowboarder who can see fully, where in actual fact, um, <laughs> I don't really see on the hills, so, um, having those vests, um, they've definitely been super, super helpful, um, and I actually use my vests, um, not only on the hill, but also when I am stand-up paddleboarding in the summer months and also when I'm just like out in the community um, just so people know that um, just so people that know that and are aware that I'm blind so um, and it just keeps it just helps me feel a little bit safer and if I ever was to get like lost um, which I have um, it's easy to tell someone, hey, I have a bright neon orange vest on that says blind person on it. Say, for example, if I'm wearing my um, walking vest uh, out in the community and I'm lost somewhere. Um, it's very easy to just to, like, tell that person. And, it's, and everyone that I've, like, gotten, everyone, uh, a lot of, like, there's been a lot of positive responses about my... Um, the best and stuff and I've actually been able to like uh, refer a lot of people to getting their own um, uh, night bright neon orange vests and um, so really amazing company I have to give a shout out to Amy at Are You Seeing Reflective um, I am so happy I found her uh, found her through found her her and the company through a mutual friend of ours um but amy from are you seeing reflective she makes um these amazing custom neon vests um she will work with you she will make whatever you need she will make it for you and she does such a good job with them i have so thankful to have her on my support team and very thankful to have found Ari's Being Reflective uh, appeal. Um, they also have a lot of different other things, so I will definitely make sure that link for the company is in the podcast description so you guys can check it out. <laughs> Just a little bit of an aside, but I definitely wanted to shout out to Ari's Being Reflective and Amy, who is my amazing custom best maker. So, um, so yeah, um, going back, I do use my custom vests on the hill to keep me safe um 
and also for so the big piece on the hill for me is also communication so we use headsets to communicate with me and my guides um so originally when i first started um my we didn't have any headsets um so my guides would have to literally yell out um yell out uh, while we were going down the hill they are always they are obviously beside me going down the hill and giving me like instructions and stuff but they would have to like yell out instructions and um sometimes i could hear them and sometimes it got really really loud so i couldn't hear them so in that case i would just stop and wait until they um wait until i could hear them again or or if or whatever um so that was a struggle um because um not being able to hear your guides and being blind while flying down a hill uh yeah you can see how that could be uh, a disaster in the making so um but um so yeah in the beginning we didn't have headsets uh and then we started doing research um when i was in the london track three program we started doing research because there's a there was a bunch of us who were like we could really use headsets going down the hill because the snow sometimes gets really really loud so uh, it kind of became a safety concern um, because there were a few times where I didn't hear my instructors and I was just flying down the hill and suddenly I found myself in a fence or other people they were getting injured because they too couldn't hear their instructors so um, we started doing some research to find um, hill headsets um, first ones it took us a little while to find uh, the headsets that I used for a few years, um, but ultimately we found AirTech headsets, and I will also link that link into the podcast details. And those were like your traditional headsets, um, and it had like a little um, box, if you will, that you would like hook the headsets in, and they fit underneath the helmet. Um, it wasn't super comfortable underneath the helmet but they did the job um uh, they so we would put them underneath our helmet and we would use a hat like a little bit of a thicker hat and then would wear them underneath the helmet and they were two-way headsets so suddenly using those um it was uh there was so much more communication that could happen on the hill because now um we could talk back and forth so and didn't have to press a button or anything to like to activate the headsets or anything as soon as you started talking the other person could hear you so um having getting the hill headsets um definitely i would say was a game changer for me for like confidence and comfort level and even like my coaches that i had then they would totally agree with me um that they were a huge game changer and it really helped to like build my confidence and comfort riding down the hill. So, um, um, so I used the AirTech M40 headsets for quite a few years actually. And then at my, at a race camp in 2019, I want to say, um, I discovered the Euclear headset, helmet headsets. Um, and those are really neat because, um, they're not like 
traditional headsets, like the AirTech ones, um, they are just, uh, like, they're little speakers that go into the pockets of your helmet, and then there's a little, like, box that you, like, connect the speakers to, and it's, like, there's a, there's a piece that you can, like, connect it to the helmet, and so no longer we no longer had the traditional headsets underneath our helmet so that was nice because um the the AirTech ones as amazing as they were um they tended to make our ears sore so and then so I discovered these Euclear headsets at the race camp um and I literally fell in love with them. Um, I was still using at the time my AirTech headsets, so I didn't want to get them right away, but it was definitely something on my radar that I was looking into because um, I knew that eventually my AirTech headsets, headsets um, would have to be upgraded. So um, that was a that was a that was a really cool discovery. And as it turns out. Um, the next season in 2020, um, my one ear tech headset ended up breaking. So, um, it was time to get the Euclear headsets and those have been amazing. Um, definitely a bit of an adjustment, um, because as everything, it was just a bit of an adjustment, but it didn't take, um, it didn't take very long at all to adjust to them. And definitely need to say a shout out to the Euclear uh, company, and I will link them for sure. Um, they have been absolutely amazing. Um, they actually, when I first got my uh, Euclear helmet headsets, um, they knew I was blind because I had reached out to them and told them I was blind and everything. And so they actually ended up doing a virtual... Um, virtual uh, phone chat with me and it was like a video phone chat and they described my the headsets and like how to set them up and how to like put them in my helmets and everything and that was super super amazing um they came with instructions but it was hard for me to like read the instructions so I the original plan was to get someone to help me like read the instructions to make sure that I was like setting them up right but they came out and were like they came out um um they like emailed me and told me that they would be willing to do the virtual um tutorial session with me so um that was super amazing of them um so just a huge shout out for their for Yuki Lear they have been amazing to work with and very happy that I have their headsets and they've they have amazing um uh customer service so if you're in the market of looking for new helmet headsets um I would definitely recommend you clear um for your headset needs um and yes as I said before I will link their website as well to um this podcast um so yeah that's the headsets that that's the headset situation on the hill. And another adaptive piece of equipment that 
we are using on the hill and also for stand-up paddleboarding is... <laughs> uh, if you can believe it, um, those are actually bear bells. Um, so, you're probably wondering, bear bells? Why is she using bear bells on the hill? Um, there's no... Like, why, Emily? Why are you using bear bells? Well, let me tell you. So, um, as you know, I am stand-up paddleboarding as my cross-training sport. So, one of the things that we started using pretty much as soon as I started stand-up paddleboarding um, are bear bells. And that's because um, my instructors are really good about talking and like giving me like verbal instruction and everything and all that. But sometimes it's nice to be able to, um, if your instructor like or your guide or whatever um, isn't talking, um, you can use something like a bear bell because it's an audible sound that you can use. And um, um, so it's easier to like follow where your guide is. So you can use it for like self-guiding. Um, so that's what we've been using it for um, as stand-up paddleboarding um, over the years. Um, perfecting like self-guiding and like knowing where my instructors slash guides are um, if they're not talking so it's another like just another option to like for guiding purposes so that and it helps like the guide save their voice they don't have to like give as much instructions because suddenly I can like I can listen to the bear bells and oh they're over there so I know to go over there so that's kind of what we're using it for the hill too and um also for so like self-guiding on the hill but also like when we're going through turns and stuff it's sometimes can be tricky to like explain um the turns so being able to like hear their bear bells I can like follow them and like follow my guide a little bit easier going through turns and stuff so um it just gives me a little bit more independence on the hill but still my guides are obviously still there but it's just been a really cool tool that I we never even thought to use before we started using them at stand-up paddleboarding and They've actually been a really great addition to both stand-up paddleboarding and snowboarding. So, um, super happy that we um, I learned about this tool through one of my stand-up paddleboarding friends. So, um, thank you, Erin, for suggesting that. Um, you, it's such a great idea, and it's been it's it's amazing to see how much like it has helped. Um, just help me gain a bit more independence on the hill and help me learn uh, how to like do more self-guiding and more uh, just gaining more awareness of my environment so that's um, I never would have even thought of bear bells prior to like learning about them for stand-up paddleboarding and so we were using them and um, uh, many people have asked us like they've stopped us on the mountain and asked us about the bear bells and they've and because they weren't really sure what they were being used for at first and then when we would when we explained to them that why we're using them they're like oh that's such a great idea so they 
they've actually said um, that they they were going to bring it back to their group because they thought it might be helpful for some of their students. So um, super cool that um, such a small little tool, and you wouldn't ever think of using bear bells for that, but um, they're definitely a big staple for um, my training uh, on the hill and on the ocean. Um, so yeah, um, so yeah, tethers. Vests, headsets, barbells. Um, do I have any other adapter equipment? Um, oh, um, so for those of you who are snowboarders, you'll understand this a little bit better, but I'll try to explain it to you for the non snowboarders. Um, so on my snowboard, um, the snowboard is so my feet are attached to my snowboard through bindings, so they're like strapped in they go into like a one spot and they're strapped in um so that's for bindings but also to like if for whatever reason my feet were to get unstrapped from the bindings um they have something called a leash on a snowboard um so that's like it's the leash is connected to the snowboard like the snowboard binding and also it's connected to part of my snowboard boot when my um, snowboarding boots are uh, clipped into my snowboarding uh, to clipped into my snowboard so um, for me um, I was struggling in the beginning to like use the traditional um, clip on the leash that they have on um, the snowboards it's just because it was like super tiny so it was really hard for me to like um, see and use. So we're actually using carab a small carabiner on my snowboard. And that's, it's, again, it's such a simple little tool that, um, that, um, you can get, like, basically in any, like, uh, outdoor Z-sport, um, store and use it on your snowboard. And that's helped out a lot. And they're super strong and super durable. So it's not like, it's not like it's gonna break off easily or not. So that's another just like small little thing. It's just like um, small little tools that are out there that never would have thought before that those could be used for that. But it's um, over the years I've gotten to like learn different like the different um, things as I've done my research and like speaking with people, um, different things that I can use. So, um, but yeah, that's. Some of the adaptive equipment that I personally use when I'm snowboarding and stand up paddleboarding. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, that's that's all I have for now. Um, it's been a very busy week again here. Um, Winter is getting closer. I heard this past week and the week before that they've already had some snow on the mountains, and I've actually seen some pictures of snow on the mountains. So that's very, very exciting. Um, Winter's going to be here before we know it. And it was also race registration weekend, uh, race team registration weekend. So I've got the first part done and I'm just waiting to do the second part now. Um, So very exciting times. And preseason training continues to go well. Um, And we are getting ready and gearing up for a very busy winter season um very excited to get back on snow and very excited to meet everyone um 
in the new race team that I'm going to be a part of this year. Um, so yeah, uh, that's it for this episode, folks. Um, this has been super exciting. I hope you have learned something from this episode. Um, let us know how we're doing and be sure to like rate, review, let us know what we're doing good. Let us know what you want to change. Um, if you also have any suggestions for us for like future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Um, so uh, again, we'll leave out the contact information so that it's easy to get a hold of us, uh, either myself or my amazing uh, podcast producer, Maxwell Ivy Jr. Um, I guess that's another shout out for Max, but you can never shout out enough, right? <laughs> so yeah, folks, all right, we're going to end this podcast here and we will see you next week. Next week, um, we're getting back to interviews and we get to chat with um, another one of my Ontario Hill coaches. Um, so that'll be exciting. Um, yeah, so I will talk to you guys all next week and hope you all have a great week. Um, if it's been raining, I hope you guys are trying to stay dry as much as possible. If it's sunny out, well, hopefully you're enjoying the sun. And if it's snowing wherever you are, send some snow to the mountains here because you could always use lots of snow. I love riding in the white powder. So, all right, folks, that's all. That's it. And we are going to end this episode six of the Shredding for Gold podcast. Um, be sure to check it out at www.wyexcuse.com slash shredding dash for dash gold. Talk to you all again soon. Peace out.